and my Wi-Fi network is good enough to actually record. Episode number one, um, good week of episodes last week, Phil Murphy from SportsCenter, who's the greatest MMA mind in the country, in my opinion. Uh, James Lynch came on with me last week for a little bit. It was a good week. Uh, I don't think we're slumming too hard with Max Friedman. Me and him have tried to hook up how many times, Max? I don't know, five or six. I feel like this is like... Uh, At least. Episode. Long time coming. Long time coming, my man. Are you out in St. Louis? Uh, I grew up in St. Louis, you're right, but I, I live in Chicago now. A Chicago boy. Are you a South Sider or a North Sider? Uh, I live downtown, and I don't, I, I'm a big Cardinals fan, so I don't like either of those teams. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, big Blues fan, I'm sure. Big Blues fan, yeah. Okay, this yeah. is all I wanted to talk about tonight, okay? <laughs> um, how are you enjoying that Stanley Cup victory over my beloved uh, black and gold Boston Bruins? I'll tell you what, I, I've seen two World Series in my lifetime, but this, this Stanley Cup was, was something else. To, I also saw a Super Bowl when I was growing up, too, with the Rams, and sure. this was just incredible feeling. The city got so behind them, and it's it's been awesome. That was a hell of a series, man. The Bruins yeah. brought it seven games. What more could you ask for? How, how good does it feel? And I've experienced this with my fandom in New England. Uh, there's no better feeling on planet Earth, and the Bruins did it in 2011. They went into Vancouver and won the Stanley Cup uh, on the road. To go into another team's building, I mean, there's an extra, to me, emphasis on it when you go into another team's building and take away the title, man. Yeah, it's it's unreal. I was um I was in St. Louis when the Boston Red Sox, you're, I, I assume you're a Red Sox fan being up, being Huge. up north. Huge. Yeah, when they, they won in 04, I was in the old Bush Stadium, and, and that was unbelievable just to see as a – it was my team that was losing, and now to see – on the other side of the coin, my team actually win in the TD Garden of all places. That that was something yeah. else. The stench of failure is all over that Bruins franchise. And trust me, we're going to talk MMA. But, I mean, for some reason, the Bruins had it all lined up for them uh, against a team that, I've got to be honest with you, was crim- criminally underappreciated here in Boston. Um, I, I remember the commentary before the series starts, this is going to be a win. Uh, Bruins are going to win this cup. St. Louis is a Cinderella story. And... Uh, you don't even show up really in a game seven on your home ice. I think they lost what four to one. Um, so yeah, yeah. Congratulations to the uh, Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. Can't believe I'm saying that. Hey, we hey, we owed Boston one man after after two World Series, uh, Bowl. <laughs> the the pre Super Bowl in 2002, the the previous only Blues Stanley Cup appearance, clean sweep. So they needed to get one back at least. Just that iconic Bob Yor photo, in fact. You yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Let's start with this. Um, If we were doing a pound-for-pound rankings today, where's Khabib go? Because to me, Max, there's just no question he's number one. And I know we're going to disagree, and that's great. But I just can't see how Khabib Nurmagomedov is not the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now. I mean, you can make a case either way, one or two. But I I just, just the way that John Jones has done it year over year for however long now, it's hard for me to say that Khabib Nurmagomedov has has surpassed him. Um, he's unbelievable, one of the most talented, most decorated mixed martial artists of all time. Clearly, the number one pound for pound uh, fighter outside of John John Bones Jones, in my opinion. But um, man, I don't know if he's he's clipped that that title just yet. Here's my thoughts on pound for pound rankings. It's much like the college football polls. I want to know who's the most dominant right now. Jones comes off a uh, however-you-want-to-score decision against Tiago Santos, where he didn't look the best. 
he's Jones has been touched. Habib has never had his uh, Alexander Gustafson fight where if you go back and watch the first Gus fight, to me, it's still criminal that Gustafson didn't win that fight. I really mean it. I, I had it four to one. And the only reason why that sticks in my mind, Max, is because I just caught the fight again on ESPN2 the other night. And Habib has never been touched. You can talk about how Michael Johnson rocked him, which to me was a little bit of fake news. Yeah, that, that gets overplayed. <laughs> oh, my God. Joe, when we let Joe Rogan set a narrative like that. Um, but if you go back to that fight, you know, I guess, you know, Michael clips him. But Habib never stopped moving forward. So to me, that's not rocking. Um, and I'm not even sure he lost that round to Conor McGregor. So in my mind, this guy has never lost a round and has never faced a single moment of adversity. He's more dominant in his division than John Jones has ever been. And there's no bigger John Jones fan than me. If you listen to me over the years, I think John is the more talented guy. He's the greatest athlete in the history of the UFC. That being said, Khabib is the scariest fighter that I've ever seen. Nobody makes me feel... Like, this guy is about to go out and dominate as much as when Habib makes that walk, man. Yeah, no one really seems to to buy into it either. They're still they're talking about the Tony Ferguson fight for, for what's next. No one's talking about, oh, well, well Khabib Nurmagomedov has essentially cleaned out the division. No, because there's that one Max, contender left. Everyone keeps forgetting that. Max, I'm sorry, and I've said this for a year and a half. Khabib will he'll maul Tony. There's, there's no <laughs> – there is no – there's nobody on the planet at 155 pounds who's going to beat this guy. I'll have a discussion with you at 170, but there's no one at 155 that's going to beat this guy. I'm with you. I, I don't I don't disagree at all, and I, I think that especially after that Dustin Poirier matchup, the way he handled that fight, and it's it's clear as day that that Tony Ferguson fight, he he should be the big favorite, and he probably will get the job done. Let's talk about Dustin Poirier real quick. This is a guy who I left for dead after the Conor McGregor fight. I really did. I thought he was overtaken by the moment. He was overtaken by the lead-up. It's about 92 seconds, and he gets knocked out. Has a weird career. He loses to Michael Johnson, who's had the oddest MMA career in the world. Um, that's an article in itself ready to be written about Michael Johnson. This is the guy who's oh, yeah. Ferguson and Dustin Poirier. Uh, anyway, um, two wins over Eddie Alvarez. Justin Gaethje beats Max Holloway in one of the greatest technical fights you will ever see. And then loses to Khabib. I just don't think his stock goes down that much. No, I don't think his stock goes down that much, but it, it, he is is still one of the best lightweights on the planet today. Um, but he's in such a tough spot right now because now where does he go from here after such a one-sided loss to Khabib? Now it's like, well, now maybe is he a couple pegs down? Is he a couple fights away from a possible title rematch? You just don't know. I mean, you could think about the the – Donald Cerrone, Justin Gaethje are on deck this this weekend. Perhaps the winner for for that goes to Poirier, but I know the UFC is not keen on rematches. So what happens if Gaethje wins? You know, the Conor McGregor. Who knows what's going to happen with him? The, the rematch there just doesn't doesn't seem likely. Even though I know there's a little bit of Twitter buzz, it's just a hard hard spot for Dustin Poirier to be in. But uh, no doubt about it. I mean, that win over Max Holloway, I think, cemented himself as one of the top pound for pound fighters in the world. But he was no match for Khabib on Saturday. Let me play this out a little bit. If I'm Dustin, and if that Conor McGregor fight's on the table, I jump at that. Oh, 100%. <laughs> That's your big payday right there. I would like him in that fight. I would I would like most lightweights over Conor at this point anyway, but I think it's a winnable fight. It's an easier fight than, say, Gaethje or even Cerrone at this point. Um, it's certainly an easier fight than Tony Ferguson if that was on the table, if if, if they go another direction with Habib, which they very well may. Um if I'm if I'm Dustin, I sign that fight tomorrow. I take it. 
Yeah, the agreed for for him that it, it's kind of he's kind of had those those moments of oh maybe I am looking for a big time fight. I mean the the fight with Nate Diaz, um, the, the interim title fight, the kind of the demands there. If he's offered that Conor McGregor match, he is taking it 100. Um, percent It's hard to imagine that that Poirier won't take a very high profile fight next. I mean I don't see him taking on the winner of Ally Kinta Dan Hooker or anything like that. <laughs> sure. Uh, as I wrote in the lead-up to the fight, uh, UFC 236 and the undercard, uh, they actually offered uh, Dustin Ally Quinta. That was the fight that was going to happen had Tony Ferguson taken the Max Holloway fight. That being said, um, on Habib, his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, comes out today and says, it is GSP next and not Tony Ferguson. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. Uh, are you Ferguson or bust at this point? Yeah, I, I, it's just enough talking. I mean, the fight's been booked three or four times. Tony deserves the opportunity, whether or not he'll actually cash in. I think you and I are both on the same page there. We favor could be big time in that matchup, but, but the guy deserves the opportunity. Give, give him the fight. I mean, the, the win streak itself, the, the body of work, the former interim title that he held, uh, what's more is the guy got to do? Yeah, it's borderline criminal. Um, I will say this though. I'm a fan of no fighter. I can look at this very objectively. Let me give you some numbers here. The entire six-part series featuring Khabib on the embedded vlogs last week in the lead-up to UFC 242 did less views than the Conor McGregor video punching the dude in the bar. Uh, (laughs) The biggest pay-per-view business the UFC has ever done involves Conor McGregor. The UFC is about box office. I would not be surprised, and almost I'm expecting Conor McGregor and Khabib part two. I really am. Yeah, I I unfortunately will agree with you in th- that point, and that big business is going to play a huge factor in in what happens next for Khabib Nurmagomedov. And if if it is the case where that that realistic matchup could be made with Conor McGregor, one hundred percent the 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 dollar signs at WMME are just going to be uh, flashing in front of their eyes. Yep, I, I could see it. It's criminal. Um, I think Tony's the next in line. I would love to see that fight. Uh, I just think that. If you have a chance with a fading star like Conor McGregor, and listen, he could lose to anybody. What if he takes a fight against, you know, I don't know, Anthony Pettis, you know, give me a name. Who do you like him against in the top ten in the lightweight division, honestly? Man, um, there, there's always legs to a, to a Nate Diaz rematch, of course. Sure. I mean, that that's going to do uh, business. I I think the, the most intriguing matchup for me is Justin Gaethje, just the – the, the stylistic matchup there and knowing, you know, I know there's been a couple of Twitter barbs back and forth, but, but Gaethje is, uh, he's a guy that will stand toe to toe with any man on this planet and talk about a fun fight on the feet. That, that, sure. that's going to cause some high, highlight reel finishes right there. My only problem with that is I just don't see the UFC doing it because it's so losable for Connor. They right. want to preserve that, that Connor Khabib part two. Um, yeah. cause let's just go down the road. If Habib beats Tony. If GSP isn't going to come out of retirement, which which I think is, is definitely a possibility, what's really left? You know, are they going to do Khabib and Gaethje? Or so? I would love to see it. Um, I'm not sure if they'll do it, but I would love to see it if, if those two, you know, continue winning. So let's switch gears real quick. Um, last year at the Madison Square Garden card, I was screaming about Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley. Uh, we didn't get it. This year, I was screaming for Tyron Woodley and Kamaru Usman. Instead, we're getting Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. Dude, listen, I've, I've written, I've talked about how Colby Covington unfortunately overshadows the fact 
that he might be the greatest welterweight in the world. I mean that. Um, you talk about a guy who might be a problem for Habib. It's guys like him. Um, I think he's he easily could be fit right into that to that uh, number one guy in the welterweight division. Now, all that being said, I'm extremely disappointed to hear that negotiations broke down on his side. Uh, he's been talking this fight up forever. It's a New York City card. He could have done it, and we don't have it. What's your level of disappointment? Because mine is uh, a 10.10 right now. Yeah, just why why this fight hasn't happened. I mean, for a while, I kind of had a theory that, that the UFC wasn't interested in it, that they thought it would kind of be a 25-minute dud, but it's gotten to the point where there's such big personalities and big money potentially involved. Just what's what's holding this up between Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington? Is it Ali Abdelaziz and dominance management? Is it Dan Lambert? Who Who's to blame? It's it's unclear at this point, but but yeah, that, that seemed like the perfect fight, that perfect card to slate that title fight in. And if we're not going to get it now, I mean, I hope we get some sort of announcement that it's it's that big end of the year card too. But but it's things are are not looking good for for that front. Here's what we know: um, Kobe Covington goes on Ariel Hawani's show and says that the negotiations broke down with him. Um, then the UFC went to Jorge Masvidal and offered Jorge Masvidal Kamaru Usman. The negotiations at that point broke down with Usman, so we lost two fights there. Either one of them would have been fine for me, by the way. Yeah. Um, now we have Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. I, I got to say, as much as I love this fight, and I'm a tiny bit disappointed that this is the fight we have. I would have loved this as a co-main. The, the UFC absolutely gave us a shit burger last year for the end of the card. <laughs> You had uh, Derek Lewis coming back on two weeks' notice to fight Daniel Cormier. Derek Lewis co-main evented UFC 229 and then main event at 230. That's not a good thing. <laughs> I forgot about I forgot that was the Madison Square Garden card, that, that, that uh, heavyweight title fight. And Chris Weidman was your co-main event. Yeah, and that was that loss to, was it Jacare? Jacare, yeah. That was your co-main event. I mean... This is a card that's shaping up, man. You get Johnny Walker on this card. Um, of course, now I'm not, not looking at my computer, but I know there's a couple other decent fights. I'm yeah, Darren to... Till and um, and Kelvin Gastelum, and then just announced today Vicente Luque and uh, and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson would be a good so, one too. This thing is this thing. All this thing is missing is uh, you know. Well, I mean, I, listen, I, I'm underwhelmed by the main event. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I, the the fans gonna get behind it 100. Um, percent You know, on paper, it's a fun fun banger of a fight. You know, those two are gonna stand in front of each other. They're neither of them are really motivated by titles these days, so um, could just have more of a, a back and forth fun action packed 25 minutes. But I'm with you, man. I want to see the title fights. I want to see that title get defended. I don't want the the stalemate. It seems to be growing in more and more divisions where where the title fights just don't seem to be made. And then you have the issue with interim titles and injuries and all this, all these things playing in the factors here. I want to see that title get defended because then you start you start to have more and more contenders climb up the rank. You. Uh, like, think about this, that Tyron Woodley, he's the forgotten man here. He was the champion coming into this, and yeah, he had the one-sided loss to, to Kamaru Usman, still nursing a, a hand injury, but, but no one's talking about him, and he's sitting at number one in the rankings right now. Mm. Honestly, I, I get what you're saying. I, I would have rather, and again, they're going to fight for some, you know, fictitious title, which may or may not. Here was my thing. I put this out on Twitter, and I, I got some positive and negative reaction. 
why not just open the 165 pound division and say, boom, here's your fucking belt. Man, that's something that's been talked about for a while now. And why and not? These are the two guys to do it with. Great, you know, it adds a title to the to the. It adds another another title. Listen, Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz might go down as the two best, you know, UFC fighters to never have a title around their waist. It just it just spices up a New York City card that needs spice. They 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 haven't done it. Last year's card was a complete shit show, coming off the biggest business they ever did in the company at two twenty nine. Yeah. Now let me ask you this. 165 pound division, you know, between lightweight and, and welterweight. I know a lot of people consider that to be a pretty big jump. Sure. That's, it's only five pounds removed from that, from that welterweight limit. I know that that's a big five, last five pounds sure. cut, but, uh, are, are you one of those that, that really do support that, that initiative of that new division? And if Here. so, why do you think of that, that 165? Because of the talent level that's in between both, both weight classes? Too, too many guys hurting themselves by either cutting weight or fighting. Uh, look, how many tweeners do we have? Where you Look at Donald Cerrone, big guy at lightweight, went up to welterweight, was absolutely obliterated by, you know, guys who should be fighting at light heavyweight, like Darren Till, you know? Right. Um, there's just too many tweeners, you know, and too many guys who are killing themselves to cut weight. And again, you know, you could do some other stuff. You could move that welterweight division to 175. Now, all of a sudden, you might have guys who were at 185 who weren't really big enough to get into that. Remember, look at Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker is one of the best fighters on the planet. And he's a guy who got beat often at 170. Because yeah, he went 2-2 two two in his first four fights. Sure, Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy finished him. Um, yeah. There's just too many tweeners. You know, guys like Ben Askren, Kevin Lee. Uh, it would just add some spice. And again, everybody... You know, the big argument is, oh, it's too much like boxing. There's too many titles. That that really, that argument doesn't hold water to me. Boxing is every three pounds. There's 100 belts. Let, let's yeah. be real. Adding one more belt is not going to make much of a difference, man. I'm sorry. It just, I'm not that offended by it. 112 welterweights currently on the roster, 101 lightweights currently on the roster. I see you make a great point here. So many guys in between weight classes. That's That, uh, that seems to be the most logical sense to insert a new weight class with any sure a guy like kevin lee kills himself staff infections during title fights you know against tony ferguson but when he goes up to 170 he's kind of undersized he got he fights a guy like losanjos doesn't look as big as him doesn't have the stamina doesn't have the strength to hang with them 165 pounds would make a huge difference and again it just opens up more opportunities for big fights and that's what the ufc needs man they lost money last year they lost money last. They sold for four billion dollars and lost money last year. We need bigger fights, and that opens up everything. And again, I've always said that they were saving the 165 pound division for Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz Part Three. I always assumed that that no matter what Dana White said, the minute Conor McGregor came to him and said, "I'm ready to fight Nate, and I want to be the first guy to ever hold three titles at different weight classes," um, I figured they would open it then. But. That makes a whole lot of sense, and and talk about a money grab. That's that sure. certainly will get the the fans buying pay per views. Sure, and uh, and again, one day it might happen. But we're talking about you know a bad motherfucker belt. Like to me, <laughs> that that does like that does nothing for me. You open up a hundred and sixty five pound division. That does a lot for me, man. I I sure hope now you've convinced me. I I was I was never kind of one way or the other, but but now that we're talking about it, man, that's that makes a whole lot of sense. Well, at least somebody agrees with me. Every time I bring that up to someone, 
Like, I get instantly shit on by everybody around me. So, Max, <laughs> you're going to be in the regular rotation here. You are. Um, <laughs> Appreciate it. Real quick, too. I wouldn't have had a problem if they stripped Kamaru Usman of the title. Honestly, I wouldn't have had a problem. You're a champion. You're healthy. You haven't fought since December. You had a dominant performance in a fight I did not pick you in. Um, I, I would have been fine if they if they stripped him, honestly. I... <sighs> I'm I'm one I, I kind of go conservative on that way I I don't like when when fighters do get stripped unless they truly can't defend their belt for whatever reason like a situation like Dominic Cruz had um, a few years back where where he just too many injuries he had to relinquish the title or or a TJ Dillashaw earlier this year um, I'm sure there's more to it I I just feel like especially anything anytime Ali Abdelaziz is involved you know that there's more to it. Uh, behind the scenes going on, so so I'm not ready to pull the plug on Kamaru Usman just yet, but but it, it, I want to see that belt defended soon. Sure, I think um, you know I listened to uh, Colby again today on. Um, listen, here's another great idea, and this is a, a question I want to run past you, and I think it's great, and I agree with it. December seventh, they have a card at the MCI Center in Washington D.C. I say give away this title fight between Colby and Kamaru on Big ESPN for free. That's a great idea, and, and doing it in D.C., you know, you know who sits uh, in the White House in D.C., yeah. the biggest Colby Coving, Covington fan uh, in the country, in, right. in President Donald Trump. So that's, I like that idea a lot. Just do it December 7th, have it headline an ESPN card. Listen, I, I, I am a huge proponent of putting these big-name fighters on big ESPN and letting the world see it. Hell, I've even written and argued that when Conor McGregor makes his return, it should be on ESPN. I really mean that. I like it. I like I like the ESPN cards. I I think they they kind of went the same direction when they first went to Fox. You remember they had that Junior Dos Santos Cain Velasquez heavyweight title fight. Put put a big time fight on on ESPN. I know you had the Henry Cejudo and TJ Dillashaw uh, to kick it off, but I was in the building that night. There was there was juice for that. Sure. Yep. Talk about a big time title fight to close this year out on ESPN. Sign me up. Sign me up, and the whole world gets to see it. Ask the casual MMA fan, man. We're in the bubble, dude. We don't understand what it's like outside the bubble. People don't know how to fucking find ES- UFC on, on ESPN. They don't. They don't. Hey, just, just don't want too many uh, international fans or, or Canadians outside the U.S. complaining about how uh, if it's on ESPN and, and they can't get it in their area. That is true. Uh, we cannot forget about the Canadian market. Or... You know, they'll do it at UFC 245 and they have multiple title fights. And, you know, John Jones is probably going to be on that card. We know Amanda Nunes, uh, Max Holloway. Uh, I think Max is either booked for 244 or 245. I can't remember. So um, why not? Why not? You know, do Covington and Usman, do Amanda Nunes and Durandamy, and do, you know, Max Holloway and Volkanovsky and, you know, end the year right. I don't know. So. Yeah, I I almost I almost would rather space one of those out. I'm with you. I'd, I'd say you throw that Kamaru Usman Kobe Covington fight should it should it actually materialize on that DC card, and then you just leave the the two title fights for 245. I mean, when you get to three, that's a little bit of overkill sometimes. If you do have have two, three five minute round fights, you, you just you never know. I don't think the UFC has done three title fights on a card in the modern era. I don't know. I want to say I want to say that first MSG card. I want to say I think they had Joanna, they had Tyron uh, Woodley, Cody, Cody, and Dillashaw. Yeah, you're right. 
Cody and Dillashaw and, and Woodley and uh, Thompson, I believe. And one of the worst fights you'll ever see. I remember it well. <laughs> I remember it well. Uh, anybody? My point exactly, man. You just never know. Anybody who fights Wonder Boy, it's just going to be ugly. He's yeah. so good. Um, this is the this. We'll do the Wonder Boy Appreciation Show next week, real quick. Um, John Jones. Uh, I assumed his next opponent was Jan Blakovic. I really did. Um, obviously now. Uh, Jan Bukovic is booked against Jacare Souza, so great. Um, who's John Jones going to fight next? Then I'm going to give you my theory. You're going to give me. You're going to give us your take, or you want me to go first? Oh, you go first, then I'm going to give you my theory. Oh man, well, th- this is talk about a million dollar question here because you look up and down the roster, and there's really no one that makes a strong case at this point. I mean, are they really going to go go right back to Anthony Smith? Probably not. I don't even think Smith is going to be ready this year. From what I read on his Twitter and Instagram, it looks like he's done until 2020. Yeah, you're right. Now that I now that you mentioned, it, I remember seeing that too. Tiago Santos obviously not not ready to come back anytime soon. Daniel Cormier just took a took a knockout loss to Stepe Miocic. Who knows where he's at? I well, mean, he's done. He's done for at least 90 days anyway. So we're this year. So. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't be at that 245 card in December. Then you have Stepe Miocic, but. But is he really going to be ready? Is he going to take that fight unless it's at heavyweight? I mean, yeah, I would too, but is he ready for it? Having been in that war on on August 17th, I'm not sure he's ready for that. I'm going to say no, and here's what I think. I think now that Daniel Cormier has lost, um, John Jones looks at that heavyweight division and goes, I can beat everybody. The only guy I see at heavyweight who is not matched up is Francis Ngannou. I think Francis Ngannou welcomes John Jones to the heavyweight division. Wow. And talk about diving in the deep end with probably the most dangerous opponent he could he could fight. Who, but. who, who else is he going to do it with, Max? Is it going to be Curtis Blades? No. <laughs> I mean, is it going to be, you know, it's going to start real, really at the bottom with, you know, a Walt Harris or a Juan Adams or it's not going to be any of those guys. The biggest business the UFC could possibly do that's something that doesn't have anything to do with Conor McGregor or Habib is John Jones and Francis or Stipe. Stipe is not going to take that fight. Stipe is going to want six months to prepare for John Jones. Uh, and all, all the power to him. John Jones is the greatest athlete in MMA history. Um, that fight will happen. I just think now if, if Daniel won, I'm telling you, Jones wouldn't have dipped his toe. John, John would fight, you know, give me your random light heavyweight. Dominic Reyes, Chris Weidman, whoever. Yeah. Um, Alexander Rakic, yeah. Sure, Rakic, right. Uh, Johnny Walker, if he wins, uh, coming up at MSG. But if John wants to fight before the end of the year, it's going to be – if it were me, I'd throw a shit ton of money at Francis and John and say, that's the biggest possible fight we can make. We will all buzz for that fight. That matchup will be incredible to see John, who, you know, like Tiago Santos, but even more powerful, more scary. That's that's the fight to make. Hey, I would I would love to see it. I absolutely would. I would love to see John Jones tested against probably the the heaviest handed heavyweight on the roster. Um, the only other scenario I can think of is should Johnny Walker be out of his fight at MSG, they just book Corey Anderson into that John uh, Jones fight and then have Lord. that that kind of good back Lord. and forth build up. But but I like your idea better. <laughs> the thing is, if John truly wants to fight by the end of the year in the UFC. This is an underrated aspect of this, Max, is when they close out their year, 
They want to get one big, more massive pay-per-view for their numbers. So John's going to fight before the end of the year. That's for sure. That's why they moved the card last year to California when he failed the drug test. Yeah. Because they needed that one last number for the year. And they're going to be doing that again. And I don't think Johnny Walker, if he wins, or Dominic Reyes, if he, uh, excuse me, uh, um, Corey Anderson, if he wins. And Corey Anderson is a fighter that, let's be real, he talks about how he's going to beat John. He knows he has the game plan. He has this, this is a guy who doesn't even take fights. So let's win a fight first, Corey Anderson. Um, that being said, it's not going to be either of those guys. They're not going to turn around on a month's notice and get ready for John Jones. Unless, of course, uh, we have a card coming up in Boston, which I'll be at in a couple weeks, where they're going to do Weidman and um, Dominic, Dominic Reyes. Reyes. Are they really going to position Chris Weidman if he wins to fight John Jones? And that's a tough matchup for Chris Weidman. I mean, even looking at the betting odds right now, Dominic Reyes is sitting in a minus 160 favorite. He could very well get Weidman out of there early, too. Sure. I, I, I absolutely favor Dominic Reyes. Dominic's undefeated. But again, you know, John is already, you know, was he teasing it and is he bullshitting us or does he already have an opponent that they're just waiting to sign on the dotted line? I don't know. Uh, again, Dominic Reyes against John Jones doesn't do business for me, Max. It doesn't. No, it, it doesn't. Neither does Corey Anderson or, or Alexander Rackett or any of those options. Yeah, nobody. Unless, of course, and again, I've had this argument for the past year and a half now on this podcast with 100 different guys. And every single one of them tells me that Johnny Walker is the guy to do it. And I keep telling them that that I need two more years of Johnny Walker winning high-level fights, and I hate that term, high-level, before I even consider him a, a threat to John Jones. No, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm excited to see where he can go, and I've actually picked against him in all three of his UFC fights and been wrong. Um, and we'll see how he does against Corey Anderson. I'm picking him in that fight, but... I, there, there's a, a step difference between John Jones and, and Corey Anderson or John Jones and Misha Serkinov, that's for sure. sure. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I mean, do, you, I, do I think that they would rush Johnny Walker up there to face Jones? I do. I don't think we're going to go oh, yeah. another year of Johnny Walker winning fights before they feed him to John. I don't think right or another year of of having to to feed the the best guy at the given time at 205 to John Jones. I mean, if if Ronaldo Jacare Souza wins a, a, a UFC Sao Paulo against against Jan Blahovich, it seems like a perfect opportunity to just throw someone else in that title picture because more or less that's what they've been doing the last year. Can I tell you a guy that I've written about for about two and a half years and talked about? And it's always been in my dreams. This is a guy who is a good wrestler, is a freak athlete, who has trouble making 185 pounds, and that guy's Yoel Romero. I would love to see that fight. You know, when when you when we talked about this before, that I was looking at the middleweight roster too to see if there's anyone that I could think of that that might go up. I mean, it's it's a trend lately with the kind of the old guard with Luke Rockhold and Jacare Souza going up. Yoel Romero definitely should be going up. The, how that guy makes 185, I know sometimes he doesn't. He doesn't. But, doesn't yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh, I would love to see that fight. But but does he really position himself for that fight coming off a loss to, to Paula Boracina Acosta? Yeah, true. And I know Boracina, you know, CSAC has also told him he should be moving up in weight. He's another yeah. guy that's huge for the division. but. Again, Max, I think it's an indictment on the heavy on the light heavyweight division, A. And two, what's the biggest business? If that fight got announced tomorrow, MMA Twitter would fucking explode. That would be huge. <laughs>
That would be something, man. And it, it that that seems like uh, on paper might be a lot closer of a fight than oh, than some of these other options at 205. Yeah, I mean, if I told you tomorrow we could give you uh, John Jones and Jan Blakovich or John Jones and, and Yoel Romero, it would be 100% to zero for Yoel Romero, who has had exactly zero fights at 205. Yeah, and coming off a loss. Sure. And he's lost, what, two of three, I believe. Or it could be yeah. even three of four. I don't even remember now. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been calling for that one for years. But people I talk to who know better than I do say that John Jones and Yoel are actually friends. Their management of friends and blah blah blah, and that fight would never happen. So, um, yeah. So that, now, there. now one other outcome, completely out of left field, and I want to get your thoughts here. Somehow, some way, an arrangement is made. Ryan Bader comes over yeah. to fight John Jones. Sure. The UFC light heavyweight championship. I know that's it, it's far unlikely given the the position of the promotions, but but what are your thoughts? I would say that I don't see it going any different than the the last time they fought when Jones was really young in his early 20s. Um, yeah. I've vehemently uh, shat upon the career of Ryan Bader since he's left the UFC. <laughs> um, he's about to join the long line, or is really the head of the long line that Chris Cyborg is about to join, of facing inferior competition and puffing yourself up. I mean, let's be real about Ryan Bader's career. This is a guy who got knocked out by Glover Teixeira. Um, again, he got his ass beat by Glover Teixeira. And, yeah. um, and you know, I think me and you can both agree that Glover is a middle-of-the-road light heavyweight at this point. Um, this is a guy who has beaten, you know, 77-year-old Fedor, you know, Matt Mitrioni, who was never that good, uh, fights Czech Congo the other night. I don't even know what the hell happened in that fight, to be brutally honest with you. I just know it was brutal. It was terrible. Um, it's... Dana White says that I have to agree with him. You know, I would want to go there and take easy fights too. And that's what Ryan, where would you put Ryan Bader right now? And again, I saw Scott Coker put out a post where he called him the greatest heavyweight of all time. I mean, <laughs> on, you know, that's, and you got to puff up your guy. I get it. And I really like the fact that Ryan Bader has found a way to make himself a shit ton of money at, in Bellator. That's great. Um, I just, you know, would you like him against Steve A tomorrow? Daniel Cormier? I mean, who? Uh, I'm not even sure I would like him against a guy like Curtis Blades, whose ground and pound is incredible, you know? Oh, certainly the UFC heavyweight level, I, man, I don't even know if he, he beats anyone in the top eight or nine at least. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. Um, at light heavyweight, a little bit thinner, maybe, maybe around six or seven. I, but, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those situations. You can point to, to Rory McDonald, you can point to Gegard Mousasi. They established talents that weren't beating the top of the division and realistically were not going to make a run at the divisional title at that stage. Definitely go across the promotion and uh, and find a way to get some wins and get yourself talked about. Talked about, you know, greatest heavyweight of all time. And again, Scott Coker, good on him. He's got to push his guy. But yeah, forgetting that Daniel Cormier had never lost a round at heavyweight until he lost an engagement against Stipe. Because, by the way, he was up four rounds to zero. Right. Yeah. Not I mean? a lot of people talk about that, though. I mean, he's not even in my top five, honestly. I, I'd put guys like Kane, you know, I'd put guys like even JDS ahead of him right now. Um, For sure. you got to puff up your guy. I get it. Um, real quick, UFC Vancouver this weekend. Uh, dude, this crept up on us, man. You just don't really? even have, We don't even have time to process shit anymore. <laughs> I just think uh, Brony and Justin H. deserve more buildup than 
I'm sitting here on a Wednesday night, and it's just dawning on me that they're going to fight. <laughs> you know, it's just the the Abu Dhabi card. I'll give that that some big time credit. It really did have a lot of promotion, um, a lot of buzz behind it with Khabib and and uh, Dustin Poirier headlining the card. All the the Dagestani mafia over there. But you're right. I mean, a week after this, just it seems like the forgotten the forgotten event here. And in Vancouver, always been a great crowd too. Great card. Canada in general is great for the UFC. Edmonton, Montreal have all been great for the UFC. What are, what are your thoughts on on this fight card? Who who are you looking forward to watching? Not just the, obviously the main event that that people are are talking about, but the who else on this card you got your eye on? I, I got to tell you, it's 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 an underratedly good card. I would probably put it as the best card they've done in the past month or two. To be honest with you, um, it's an underratedly good card. Um, just want to take a quick look at. At the, uh, I know we have Nikita Krylov in the co-main event. Todd Duffy's back. He either kills people or gets killed. So every time he fights, it's great. Um, I'll tell you, you know who's a really underrated prospect at light heavyweight? is Jimmy Crute, man. I Absolutely. love Jimmy Yeah, light heavyweights to watch on this one. Nikita Krylov, has he figured it out? It's tough to say, but certainly we'll be able to tell after he faces Glover Teixeira. Jimmy Crute. I really like him in that matchup against Misha Serkinov. I think this guy uh, has a lot of potential, and he continues to grow in front of our eyes. Real quick on the main event. Um, Justin Gaethje is a former World Series of Fighting um, uh, light, lightweight champion. I did an article on him last year where I talked to a bunch of his former opponents about what it's like to fight Justin. Um, I'm a little – that's the word I'm looking for. I'm a little disappointed in the way Justin's career has gone in the UFC. Let's put it that way. Um, he looked to me at one point like he was a guy who was going to headline every UFC on Fox card for the rest of eternity and never get to that high level. Uh, and you know what I mean. Those I know what you mean. Um, here he is. He knocks out James Vick. He knocks out Edson Barboza after a loss to Dustin Poirier. And this is a guy who's bonused in every single one of his UFC fights. He put on one of the greatest fights you'll ever see against Michael Johnson in his debut he goes against a guy in Donald Cerrone who I left for dead after the loss to Leon Edwards and Darren. Me too. Um, I picked against him hardcore in the UFC Brooklyn card against Alexander Hernandez. Um, he beats Mike Perry after that. I picked against him again in the Ally Aquinta card uh, fight because I thought at that point that Al was one of the greatest lightweights on the planet. I really believe that. He beats him, comes back, fights Tony Ferguson. For whatever happened in that second round, it looked like Donald was on his way to getting pieced up. But honestly, man, his career renaissance has been the best story in MMA in the past year or so. How can you not love Cowboy, man? And especially after those those performances, masterfully beating up Alexander Hernandez, a young line in the division, and then Ally Aquinta, a guy who just came off a title challenge at uh, <laughs> Khabib Nurmagomedov for five didn't rounds. Dis- didn't disrespect himself in the fight at all on a day's notice. No. Absolutely not. But Justin Gaethje, man, I, I agree with what you're saying. I love I love his fighting style. It, it has been a little bit disappointing, uh, especially those those two losses back-to-back to Eddie Alvarez. That that loss especially was a little disappointing to me. I thought for sure that was a, a fight he probably should have won, especially after you look at the body of work that Eddie Alvarez has done since, which is more or less nothing. Eddie uh, Alvarez is one of those guys who uh, – <laughs> You, you you think he's more than he is because he's talked about as more than he is, but in the end, right. he's really just the ultimate journeyman, in my opinion. Go ahead. 
Yeah, and and since losing to those back-to-back fights, man, it seems like he's turned it around. Those brilliant performances, first-round knockouts, clean punch knockouts, and now sitting at 20-2 and two overall, 18 finishes on the resume. This is this is a fun fight, and, and really, I don't know how I, – I can't pick a winner just yet. I I had to pick a, a winner, and I went with Gaethje on, on uh, our podcast earlier this this afternoon, but, but man, this could really go either way. I'm going Cerrone, and, and for this reason – um, here's here's my thinking behind it. I just think that at this point, Justin Gagey is just he's not technical enough. He'll give us he'll give us those moments. I mean, it'll be fun. There's there's no chance in hell that this fight isn't fun, Max. No chance. Um, but I just think in the end, the wily, more technical guy will end up winning the fight. I don't know. You know, Justin has uh has gotten caught in the past. You know, Dustin Poirier, sure. Eddie Alvarez. It's happened, and I just think. Cowboy finds a way to catch him. I just think the veteran guy, I mean, with, with Justin, my biggest problem with him, if this guy had any kind of fight IQ, he would dominate the division forever. But he doesn't. It's unfortunate, but he doesn't. I, I'm i with you, man. I, it's it's going to be fun to watch. But either way, anytime Justin Gage is fighting, sign sure. me up to, to, to be glued in front of the TV. That, and that'll that guy's be his awesome. career. And there, is no, <laughs> and there is no shame in that. There isn't. There's no shame in that. He will headline ESPN cards for eternity, but he will never be the guy where we, and I've heard people, I've had people on this podcast, oh, he'd be the t- biggest test for Khabib and blah, blah, blah. And I just don't see it, man. I, and I love Gaethje. I've been watching him since the PFL days. Um, I've written about him. I've talked to him. I've talked to him about his career. Uh, I love the guy. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I just feel like this is prime time for a guy, a guy like Cowboy Cerrone to take advantage of some of that low fight IQ. Yeah, very well could be, and we've seen it. We've seen him do it to to high level decorated martial artists before. Uh, he could very well do it again and have a, have another kind of cowboy esque performance. I wonder where Cowboy goes from here if he wins this fight. I, this is going to be so interesting, and I think always the most interesting thing about MMA right now, specifically the UFC is that the storylines get furthered, Max, as we get winners and losers in these fights. And those are almost more interesting sometimes in the fights. Yeah, and if, if Donald Cowboy Cerrone wins this fight, I think the fight I want to see him in now, this is definitely very unofficial. Who knows what what the way it would go for the UFC. But, but Dustin Poirier, Cowboy Cerrone, that sounds like an awesome fight. Sure. I think the winner of this will probably line himself up with Poirier, even if it's Gaethje. But, I mean, if they, if, if to me, if Gaethje wins, if he comes out and has an emphatic beatdown and beats Donald Cerrone, uh, you know, quick or something like that, like he's done, and listen, he did it to Barboza, a guy who's, say what you will, his striking is yeah. as good as anyone's ever. Yep. Um, I used to think two years ago, if we were having this conversation, I used to tell people Edson Barboza is going to be the worst matchup for Conor McGregor at that division. I, I just thought he was going to do way more than he's done. Um, all that being said, if Gaethje comes out and has an emphatic knockout, that, that drum's going to start beating for a title shot for him. For sure. Absolutely. And and who knows? Obviously, Conor McGregor's always a huge question mark if the Khabib-Tony Ferguson fight actually happens, but you got a challenger that fans can get behind that has the highlight reel on his record, no pun intended there, uh, <laughs> that makes a, a whole lot of sense uh, if you're building a title fight, something to get behind. And why not, you know, and, and if Cerrone does win, 
why the hell not make him the number one contender too? How how nice, how great of a story is it? You know, for a 37 year old guy who's been has the most finishes in UFC history, most wins in UFC history. I've literally been watching this guy since middle school in WEC, and I'm I have 77 gray hairs now, man. You know, I, I'm old. And this guy and this guy is still fucking doing it. He's still doing it at the highest level too. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, he's not like you know second fight on the prelims, you know, against you know Joe Lozon. You know, he's doing it against the best guys in the world, man. Does a does a Conor McGregor Cowboy Cerrone fight actually have legs? Should he win this fight? I am all for it. I I said uh, that the UFC dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. If they had a chance to actually book that fight, which McGregor says they did. And they didn't say, okay, we'll make it a five-round main event, but we'll make Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal a five-round main event. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. Make that a five-round main event. That would be huge, monster business if it was Cowboy Cerrone, who, you know, is a beloved figure, even more beloved amongst hardcore fans than Conor. Conor's hated amongst Conor. You know how it is right now. Oh, of course. You say Conor's the scarlet letter right now, you know? Um, Yeah. If you did that fight, I just, again, they dropped the ball on that. They dropped the ball hard on that. So I think it has plenty of legs. Does it have legs with, uh, you know, it works on so many levels. A, Conor McGregor needs to win his next fight. He probably sees Cowboy as a winnable fight. He probably does. And B, Donald Cerrone's been carrying this thing on his back for 15 years. He deserves that payday. 100%. 100%. And Cowboy Cerrone, if you ask a casual fan, who are, you know, some of the top UFC mm-hmm. stars? They're going to say Conor McGregor. They're going to maybe say Khabib because all the, the melee after the, the fight last year. Uh, maybe DC, maybe Nate Diaz, but I think a lot of people say Cowboy too. Absolutely. I judge it by this. Who does my wife? My wife knows like four fighters. She knows who Ben Askren is. You know, she knows who Conor McGregor is, Nate Diaz, and she knows who Donald Cerrone is. He's crossed over. Yeah, he, he's a household name for sure. Both to the to the hardcore and the casual fan. I was at that Brooklyn card to open it up uh, on ESPN that that night in January. Rachel Ostevich was coming off the domestic violence incident. Sure. Greg Hardy was on that card. By far, the biggest pop of that night was for Cowboy Cerrone. By far. <laughs> God, I love to see that. I, I just uh, he he's just he's just awesome. He he's yes. a guy that you can't help but but root for. He's the easiest guy to root for, probably outside of Dustin Poirier, just because of all the off, you know, the the charitable stuff. Um, of course, Poirier is the easiest guy to root for, but but Cowboy is, is is just a hair behind. And I hope he gets that McGregor fight. It would make sense for Connor. If you're Connor, that should be the really the only guy you look at, you know, unless you're going to do somebody way down the rankings, you know, who's a striker. Unless you are going to fight a guy like Dan Hooker, you know, or something like that, or a Barboza. You know, somebody coming off a loss that you think can piece up. You know, I'll give you another name. Why not Paul Felder and Conor McGregor? Honestly, that that's another fight where I think it it could be McGregor could see it as a as a winnable fight and, and take it just because he got the the Irish dragon and the actual <laughs> the pride of Ireland there. But but yeah, the the cowboy fight seems like of the non-title fights probably has the most momentum behind it for, for McGregor, especially a fight that he could see himself winning and his camp would see himself winning, taking that, taking a, taking someone out pretty early on, build himself right back in the picture for the title fight. Well, 
Sean Shelby, I know you're a huge fan of this podcast. We just did it for you, bro. You can take the next <laughs> couple months off. We just booked it all for you. John Jones, Yol Romero, Cowboy Cerrone, and uh, Conor McGregor coming coming new soon. Hopefully, hey, yeah. huge business. And UFC out. DC put the uh, the welterweight title fight in the main event live Give on it away. Give it away on free ESPN. It'll fucking pay dividends later. If people find your product just by flipping through the channels, it's a pain in the ass, man, even for hardcore guys like me. I get to switch from the PlayStation to my TV. The prelims are on FX. It's all this crazy shit. It seems like a chore, man. Yeah, ESPN Plus. Got to gotta get your devices out for the ESPN right. Plus. And... Right. And if you're 33 years old like me and haven't looked at a PlayStation in 10 years, you're going <laughs> to ask your kid to help you. You know, It's a pain <laughs> in the ass, man. You know? Hey, man, talk to me about your podcast. When does it drop? What's it called? What do you guys do? Tell me all about it. You've yeah. never had me on, which is okay. That's fine. <laughs> Hey, you're you're always welcome. Come to a guest spot if you want. Um, the part of the Loudmouth MMA Podcast Network. We are the Breakdown Show. It's myself and uh, Marcel Dorf of MMA DNA. Big Marcel twenty four. If you guys know him on Twitter, post all the the fight announcements and and whatnot. Um, and yeah, just run down, just run down the UFC card week in and week out. Um, looking at uh, you know who to look out for. Uh, break down every single fight from the main event to the to the first prelim. And uh, have a great great time doing it. A lot of good shows on the network, so um, be sure to subscribe and, and check that out. When does the show drop? What what days usually? Yeah, ninety percent of the time it drops on Wednesdays. Every once in a while, if you schedule snafus and whatever, it'll be on Thursday. But almost all the time on on Wednesdays of fight week. Excellent. Wednesdays of fight week with Marcel Dorf. If you don't follow him. You're insane. And my, my guess is if you're listening to this podcast, you probably follow Marcel. What's your Twitter handle, Max? My Twitter handle is trademark MMA spelled out. And, uh, and yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much the only content I'm producing these days. Might get back into writing at some point, but, um, but man, mostly doing the podcast. It's at trademark MMA on Twitter. He's a podcaster. He's a tech professional. I'm looking at his Twitter right now. He's also <laughs> a Stanley Cup champion. Congrats to you, my friend. Hey, this has been fun, man. I, I'm glad we got to got to hook up. This is uh, it's been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming. You give me uh, 50 minutes of your time, so episode one has gone down okay. I don't think I'll get fired anytime soon, so we're good. Uh, Max, thank you, brother. I'm gonna catch back up with you, man. I'm gonna send you a random DM in like three months, and I'm gonna say, hey, probably won't even be three months. It'll probably be like three weeks, and be like, hey, please come on tonight. Uh, I appreciate it, brother. Uh, stay right there. I'm just gonna hit and record and. Uh, I appreciate your time, man. Of course.